we're going to start a new series here. It's, um, it's called, just called Believer. And, and what I want to do today and what I kind of felt impressed upon to do was to kind of go back to maybe some more uh, real uh, simple and basic things that I think that are really important. And, you know, I don't want to, by any stretch of the imagination, try to talk to us here today that, about something that, you know, hopefully won't bore you or, or put you to sleep, even though I know pastors are generally pretty good at that. Um, but, you know, even like some of the best athletes in the world, at certain points in their particular development in their life, you know, they have coaches that say, let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to, to some of the fundamental things of the sport. Let's go back and learn, you know, Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan and all of these guys. You know, the list can go on and on where they had personal trainers that many times throughout their development, developmental career would say, man, let's go back. Even, you know, Peyton Manning would go back to his, his college a coach that he had many times throughout his professional football career during during the off season, he would go meet with his college coach to help him, uh, you know, refine some of who he is and what he does. And and he would often say, "Well, hey, let's go back to some of the basic fundamental things. Let's just let's review." And so sometimes it's really important for us. Okay, that, you know, to go deeper, we've got to make sure we cover the important things and we get back to some of the basics. All right. And so I want to I want to talk about something today that I I feel like I feel really impressed upon inside of my heart to kind of share with you. And so we're going to look in Romans chapter 12, verse three. But before we read there, you know, um, there are there are some people. In this world that with certain things, they kind of like they it's like, you know, you look at them and it's like they got it. You know, um, I, I've coached basketball for many years and uh, and oftentimes you get these kids out on the court. And and while you're being a really good coach and, and trying to coach them and everything, you know, some of the kids really, really struggle. And then some of the kids, when they get out there, you'd be like, man, that kid has it. You know what I'm saying? That kid, it's like this child right here has a little bit more athletic skill than this child over here. And that's not really that, that's not a big deal because it doesn't make one person better than the other. It just means that this person, you know, has a little bit more skill when it comes to basketball than this person over here. And we see that. I mean, you know, um, you know, some people are born with probably the, the, the more natural propensity to be smarter where they have like photogenic memory and they can look at something or memorize it and they don't really have to try hard in school because it all just kind of naturally comes to them. They just kind of got it. You know, they, they, just, they just have it. They have something more than what other people around them have. And, and we see that in many different elements. I mean, you know, there's no way in the world, you know, I'm going to be qualified for, you know, being a rocket scientist or, you know, a doctor, any of those kinds of things. Now, I know a really good physician, okay, but for when it comes to medical issues, okay, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's probably a lot of doctors and, you know, rocket scientists that wouldn't be a very good pastor. They're like, I wouldn't know where to start or what to do or anything like that. And, and that's because, you know, we all have different talents and gifts inside of us, and we kind of all understand that, all right? And sometimes, though, we can kind of allow that to become something that maybe we miss uh, what, what the Bible is trying to tell us about other things. But I want to read here, in Romans chapter 3, verse 3, it says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so... 
as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each man a measure of faith. All right? God has allotted to each man a measure of faith. And so we kind of read this passage right here because as I was talking earlier, it seems like that there are, uh, there are people that have, you know, a greater measure of basketball skill than others. And some people have a greater uh, a measure of intellect than others. And some people have a greater uh, measure of, of, you know, organization or OCD, whatever you want to call it, uh, than, than others Okay, we all have different things in our lives. And one of the things that we see right here in this particular scripture is that God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And one of the things, though, that I want to point out right here, because I think that sometimes when we read this passage, we can misunderstand what Paul is actually talking about in Romans. And I want to make sure that we can follow along. But um, I, I think it's important that when you interpret verses in the Bible... Uh, that you do it in context with other verses in the Bible. So one of the things that's really important in your life is that you don't create great theological beliefs in your life based upon one verse. But you're able to take that verse and interpret it in light of other verses because the Bible is not going to contradict itself. And in moments where it looks like it contradicts itself, maybe there's something that you're missing in that particular moment. Maybe there's something you're missing in the original language in which it's written or whatever. But it's important that whenever we, when we interpret verses and we read verses, that we do it in context of other scriptures that is written, all right? And so, oftentimes when we read this particular passage right here, it would give you the idea uh, that God is giving faith out to everyone like you deal out cards at a poker game, right? So to each person, I'm going I'm to give you three over here, I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you four, and, and we all have our own measure of faith. And my faith is measured like this, and your faith is measured like that, and his over there is, and the pastor's, of course, his is like way, because in, in order to be a pastor, you've got to be, you know, you got to have a huge measure of faith. Um, but uh, that is not the way that God deals with faith, all right? And I want us to make sure we understand that. In Romans 10, 17, Romans ten seventeen it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Faith okay, comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Now, before I go any further, I want us to make sure we understand fully what faith is. Because we, we you know, I don't know, for a long time, even in my own Christian life, when I heard the word faith, I'm thinking saving faith. I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I have faith because I have faith in God and because I'm born again and I'm a believer, all right? Uh, faith is more than probably the general idea of what faith is and that faith produces salvation. Even though that is an element of faith, that's not really, when the Bible is talking about faith, there's so much more to faith than just that element of faith. And In Romans, or in Hebrews, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, Okay? Faith is, faith is substance, okay? Faith is evidence, all right? Faith is believing in something before you get it, before you receive it, before you see it, before you feel it. That's what faith is. Faith is believing the promises of God. It is believing God's will for your life before it ever comes to fruition, Okay? A lot of times people will say that faith is basically reaching out into the unseen realm of hope and pulling it into the realm of reality. Okay? 
Faith is reaching out into the unseen realm of hope and pulling it in to the realm of reality. That's what faith does, okay? You, if you have to believe it when you see it, there is no faith involved in that, okay? Or if you have to see it before you believe it, I don't know if I just said that wrong or not. I don't care, okay? But you, you have to understand what faith is. So faith comes, the Bible says, Romans ten seventeen. faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So if I have faith, if you have faith, it's because you've heard the word of God. And the more you hear the word of God, the more faith you will have. Faith comes to you by hearing the word of God. So if you have any faith in your life, that faith that you have in your life is because the word of God has produced that faith. Okay, Not because God has somehow given you three measures of faith and you four measures of faith and you and you say, well, my faith is not as strong as your faith. Okay, That right there... Okay, it's not an accurate depiction of what faith looks like in our life. Okay, if you say your faith is not as strong as my faith, then that only means one thing. That I'm exposing myself more to the word of God than you're exposing yourself to the word of God. That's all it means. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So my faith will grow based upon my hearing the word of God. And this is much more than just hearing a cute story. Okay, that the Bible shares with us. Okay, it's much more than that. When we're talking about faith, it's more than just hearing a cool story. It's more than just talking about stuff. As a matter of fact, you can even sit in here and you can listen to my, my message today and it not produce any faith whatsoever in your life. That's because there's a difference between... That's the reason why you know, Jesus said many times, even in the book of Revelations, it says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Those who have ears to hear, let them... like. like if you have ears, don't you already hear? Or was Jesus really talking about something deeper than just like it being noise going into my body? Yeah, he's, he's talking about something that's deeper than that. Something deeper inside of our life. All right? And so uh, this is much more than hearing a cute story. Uh, you know, there will be people out there uh, that, that, you know, I've had an opportunity to talk to them before through, you know, many of my travels and, you know, evangelistic dealings in the streets and stuff that I've done, you know, for, for many years. Uh, you know, you talk to people and you'll hear people on the streets that don't believe in God, yet they know everything about the Bible. It's like, well, you know, then you would say, well, if they know the word of God, then how do they not have faith? Because just knowing a lot of stuff about the Bible and hearing a lot of cute stories isn't what actually activates or builds up faith inside of your life. Now, why is faith so important? Okay, why? And you know, just you know, I'm just asking you: Do you even know why faith is so important? Because you know, we're sitting here talking about faith. We're like, well, so what? What is faith? Man, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. You know, does it really matter about faith? Well, faith is important. And I think it's important because the Bible says this. The Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. You, you can't even begin to please God in your life without faith. And it doesn't matter what you do. If you come to church, it is not pleasing to God unless you do it in faith. If you give in the offering, it is not pleasing to God unless you do it in faith. If you pray... It is not pleasing to God unless you do it in faith. If you're in here worshiping and singing songs before the Lord, it is not pleasing to God unless you're doing it in faith because it is impossible to please God without faith. 
The Pharisees knew how to do a lot of really religious stuff, but they had no faith behind what they did, and it was not pleasing to God. And Jesus called them a brood of vipers and a bunch of hypocrites. Okay? Just because we do religious things doesn't make us pleasing to God. Okay? Faith is what makes us doing as pleasing to God. When we have faith in God, when we are, when there's something, a part of our spirit that's connected to our outward actions, when we have faith, and so we give and we have faith that God is going to take it to advance His kingdom. When we worship, we're having faith that it's blessing God and it's honoring God and it's inviting the presence of God into our into our midst. Okay, when we when we when we read His Word, that we have faith that that, that Word is going to produce something inside of us that's going to give us stronger power to believe the promises of God. Faith is the beginning of pleasing God. You want to please God, you have to have faith. And that's the reason why faith is so important. And it's more than just saving faith. Saving faith is where it all begins. But it should grow from that point in your life. You know, every story in the Bible, there, there are principles that can be learned. And so just because we hear stories, it doesn't produce faith. But those stories can, can teach us principles that do produce faith. And so we learn that principle and we apply it to our life. Then we're able to, we're able to gain faith through that. And so I, I want to read a, a couple of stories. Um, two of them out of Acts and one out of, out of Mark. And so uh, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 14 because I want to I illustrate this point. We're talking about faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Um, and so it's important that we understand exactly what the scripture is talking about here. But in, in Acts 14, 1, it says, In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the, Jewish to, uh, the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both, the, both of Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embedded, uh, embittered them against the brethren. Okay, so here, listen, uh, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and they spoke, they spoke, what are they speaking about? Well, they're speaking about the word of God, they're speaking about Christ, okay? These people are there and they're preaching in the synagogue about Christ, and what does that do? Okay, uh, that uh, they spoke in a manner that a large number of people believed, okay? Here's the principle that we're talking about. Faith comes by hearing. These people developed the faith to believe in Christ because the disciples were speaking about Christ. They were speaking the word of God. We see that speaking came before believing. Okay? The word of God came before faith came. All right? That's how it works. All right? And then it goes on, verse 3, it says, Therefore they spent a long time, they're speaking boldly, with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Okay? So the word of God went first, and secondly, the, the people began to experience the benefits. Okay? So they begin to preach the word of God, and as they preach the word of God, and it produced faith inside the people, then the Bible says that God began to, to do signs and miracles amongst them. Okay? But signs and miracles followed the faith. It followed the preaching of the word. Because the word preached to them is what produced faith inside of them to receive the miracles okay, and the things that were going on around them. That's what happened. 
Okay, So faith comes by hearing. When we hear it, it causes believing, and then God is able to do something in our life. You know, uh, just, a, just a quick side note. You know, you look at Jesus, um, and this isn't specifically what we're talking about today, but when you look, look at Jesus, there's only one time, there's only one time in the whole, in all the New Testament, in all four accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only one time where Jesus was not able to perform many miracles. Only one time. In, in, all, in everything that Jesus did, every time Jesus wanted to heal somebody, wanted to deliver somebody, wanted to free somebody, he was able to do it, okay, except for one time. And the only time he wasn't able to do it was when he was in his hometown. And the Bible says the only thing that he was able to do is to heal a few small things like, you know, headaches and fevers and stuff like that. It was, he was only able to do a few small things there. And he says that he left there and he was marveled at their unbelief. Okay? So the reason why Jesus couldn't perform miracles wasn't because Jesus couldn't perform miracles. It was because they didn't believe. Okay? Because they didn't believe. Because they didn't have faith. Okay? Faith wasn't being produced on the inside of them. Okay? If we go down to verse 8 here in Acts chapter 14, it says, At Lystria, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked before. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Okay? Who, when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. All right, do you see the progression again? Okay, you see the progression. All right, he had, no, he had no strength. He had never walked before. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. As he spoke about what? Fishing? Was he, was he talking about? He's talking about, uh, you know, just traveling. He's talking about playing soccer. You know, he's talking about his you know, favorite sports team. No, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about Christ. He's talking about what Christ did, what Christ did in his own life, how, how Christ, you know, took his bitter and hard, hard, hard Pharisee heart and, and, and took that heart of stone and made it into a heart. And he's talking about all the things that Christ did. And he says, at some point, while Paul is talking to these people about God and while these people are hearing the word of God, Paul fixed his eyes on him and saw that he had faith to be made well. Okay. And it wasn't the power, even though it was the power of God that made him well, okay? But it was this faith that became the channel to produce that miracle in his life. And that faith came as a result of him hearing the word of God being spoken to him in his life. And so it's more than likely at some point in Paul's message, he talked about Christ's ability to heal. That Christ was able to heal and he's able to heal their disease. And this guy sitting there hearing this message at at some point and hearing that message, it clicked inside of him. And he began to have faith and, oh man, Christ can heal me. It can happen. I know he can. And Paul saw it in the look in his eyes. And he saw that he had the faith to make him well. And then he spoke that word into his life and God performed a miracle. And so when you look at, when you look at, these four verses that we talked about, you know, there are three times here where we see that preaching, the preaching of God's word produced something. And that something was faith. The preaching of God's word produced faith. When it comes to communicating God's word, okay, man is the only being who has the responsibility to do it. 
Okay? We have the responsibility to communicate the word of God. There's no other being in the universe that has that responsibility. We are it. Okay? And, and, and so, you know, this doesn't come. The word of God doesn't come through nature. It doesn't come through hearing the birds. It doesn't come through the sound of the waves or the streams or, or, or the sounds of, you know, whatever. Okay? None of those things produce faith. The only thing that could produce the faith is the word of God. And men are given the responsibility to communicate God's word. And, and not even angels can do it. Okay? Angels don't even have the responsibility to communicate God's word. We have the responsibility to communicate God's word. Now, angels can connect the dots. Okay? They can connect the dots and point you in the right direction. But ultimately, it's men that have the responsibility of communicating God's word. And the way that faith is developed outside in a lost and dying world is through the word of God. And if we don't know the word of God, how can we communicate the word of God? And if we can't communicate the word of God to a lost and dying world, then how are they gonna, how is faith going to be produced in their heart to believe that God can do anything? Okay? Men have the response. Angels can. And let's, let's look real quick at a, at, a, at a time in the book of Acts, chapter 10. You flip back about four verses. Okay? You'll see something right here of what I'm talking about. It says, Now there was a man at Caesarea uh, named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision the angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, uh, and fixing his gaze on him and began, uh, and, and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and arms have ascended uh, as a memorial before the Lord. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, uh, whose house is by the sea. Okay. Now, this is the only thing the angel told Cornelius. And what did he tell him to do? Okay, did he tell him anything about the Bible? Did he tell him, did he even mention the words Jesus? Did he mention dying on a cross? Did he mention healing or any of those kinds of things? Nope. The angel never mentioned anything. The angel said, hey, go get Peter. Okay, you need to go get Peter. And so if you know the rest of the story and you can kind of continue to read on, we know that Peter comes to his house and Peter begins to preach the word of Christ to them. And as he preaches Christ crucified to them, not only were they saved in that moment, but they were also baptized in the Holy Spirit in that moment right there in that place. Okay, the preaching of the word when Peter got there is what produced the faith to produce salvation and to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see right there. The angels connected the dot, but man, man has the responsibility to bring in the word. Okay. Um, you know, so, but sometimes, you know, I think in our lives, um, we, want, we want God to bend the rules, right? We want God to bend the rules for us. And, 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 and so we, we, it's like this. You know, the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask me for it and I'll give it to you. Okay? And so sometimes we kind of we kind of cross platform all of that stuff. We think, well, God says we can ask for wisdom. I'll just ask for faith, and God will bend the rules and just give me faith. And so we're like, God, just I just pray that you just give me more faith, just give me more faith. And and yet for whatever reason, we are cl- completely neglecting what Jesus actually tells us how faith is produced in our life. So we want God to bend the bend the rules. God, how about if I just pray for faith, then you'll give me more faith. I know the Bible says I got to read your word to get faith, but let me just pray and ask you for more faith, and then maybe you'll give me more faith. Okay, so we want want God to bend the rules. And so, um, 
And we just ask them, and, and it's, and it's kind of like this, in, 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 a, in, a, in a weird way. It's kind of like, you know, you're out at sea, and you're about to drown, and a boat comes by to help you, and you, you cry out, and you're waving your arms, help me, help me, please, save me, save me. Okay, and then all of a sudden these guys see you and they take this this little life raft, life vest, and they throw it out there to you. And you're like, hey, I don't want this. I want a boat. Please bring me the boat. I don't want the vest. I don't want the little floaty. I don't this is not what I'm, I, I don't want this. And that's how we are sometimes when it comes to the way God tells us to produce faith. We're like, God, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my way. I, I, I want to have enough faith by going to church. I want to have enough faith by praying. I want to have enough faith some other way. And, and so God's throwing the life vest to us, and we're like, I don't want this life vest. I want it some other way. But you got to do it the way God wants you to do it, okay? God's not going to bend the rules for us, all right? He doesn't bend the rules. The rules are the rules. The way the kingdom of God works is the way the kingdom of God works. And if you want faith, faith is produced by hearing the word of God. That's all there is to it. And one of the things that I want to... Uh, I want to point out about this particular passage in Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. The way that that phrase, the way that that thing could, could, can be explained, probably more accurate is this. And you could say it like this. Faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. And it just goes on and on and on. The word of Christ. Faith does not come by having heard the word of God. doesn't say that. doesn't say that faith comes by having heard. Well, I, bless the Lord, I've been to church all my life. I've heard every sermon that there is. I don't need nothing else. Everything that's ever been preached, I've heard it. I don't need nothing else. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that faith is produced inside your life because you hear the word of God over and over. And so what if you've heard it a hundred times? Faith is produced by hearing it over and over, not having heard it at one point in your life. It's by hearing it over and over and over again, every day of your life. That's how faith is produced. Because then the word of God becomes ingrained inside your spirit. And his promises come alive. You know, we typically don't make any significant life changes or decisions in our life until we've heard it more than once. We just don't. We don't make any significant people in general don't make significant life changes only hearing something one time. They make significant life changes by hearing stuff over and over again. Recommendations by friends and family members and then commercials and then thinking about it and processing it and hearing it again. That's the way we process information and we get to places where we make significant life changes by hearing stuff over and over and over again in our minds. Real life change happens when we hear it over and over and over again. Sometimes during that process, sometime during that process, something clicks and all of a sudden it's like, we got it. I figured it out. I understand now what's being talked about. And when you get it, there's nothing that can take it out of you. You just kind of have it. And this is the reason why it's so important to have a constant flow of scripture in your life, a constant flow. And so whatever you're dealing with in your life, Okay, you find scripture to back up the issues that you're dealing with. And you bring that scripture and you put that scripture before you every day. And you allow that scripture to be every day, every moment that you hear it, hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it. In Mark chapter 5, 
I'm going to look here at this, this story here <clears throat> as we kind of close up. It says, and we, we probably heard this, this particular story before. Um, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was uh, not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And after hearing about Jesus, she came up into a crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus perceived in himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, uh, you, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done it. But this woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. All right. Rob, if you'll come. <clears throat> so, we're looking at this passage again. Again, we see the same thing. And, and again, these are not the only illustrations that we see throughout the Scripture. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would say, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say probably three-fourths of the time where Jesus healed somebody or healing was brought about by Jesus in somebody he would say the same phrase that he says right here in verse 34. He says, your faith has made you well. Okay? He doesn't say, my faith has made you well. It doesn't say, the faith of all the believers here gathered today has made you well. He says that your faith has made you well. Okay? He brings it back to them, to something happened inside of them where, where things begin to click and they begin to understand things at a deeper level. All right. But I want us to look at something real quick, um, because what we see in the progression of this lady is exactly what I'm talking about today. And so let me point it out to you in verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, what is she hearing about Jesus? Probably that he's going around healing all the people that are sick, that he has the power to heal. Right. He has the power to heal. That's what that's what he, she's hearing after hearing about Jesus. Okay. The next thing that happened was not the next verse, or not that, not in the same verse. If you notice, the story kind of, he's, he gets ahead of himself. He tells what happens, and he says why it happened, right? After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd, and she touched his cloak before she thought. In other words, she thought before she touched them. She thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Now, notice that this is kind of in quotation. So this is probably more than just a thought. This is probably something that she said. If I can just touch his garments, I'll be made well. Okay. Then she went and found him and touched his garments, and then she received. And so I want to I point out the progression and how faith works. This is how faith works in your life. Okay. I want, you to, I want you to get this. There's a four-step process on how faith works in your life. All right? Um, we see here, of course, that this woman's faith made her well. And there are loads of other people around him that are touching him but aren't getting well. But she did. Okay? So the first thing is she heard it. Faith comes by hearing of God. The first thing that happened in her life is that she heard it. She had to hear something about Jesus. And her actions really tells us what she heard. She thought that if I could just touch him, 
Well, there's no way that she would have thought that she could be healed just by touching him if she hasn't heard of the amazing things that Jesus was doing throughout his ministry all there in Galilee and the things that he was doing. If she hadn't heard the amazing miracles that were being brought about by the hand of Jesus, there's no reason for her to think if she just thought that he was a good man or a prophet or some kind of religious movement guy that was just stirring up the people to have goodwill and become good people in their society. None of that would have produced inside of her the faith that she needed to believe in healing. So she heard something. She thought if I could just touch him and she was going to be a quitter and she was a she wasn't willing to accept where she was and what she was going through in her life. So the first thing she did was she heard it. The second thing she did was she said it. She said it. She began to believe and what she believed came out in what she said. You ever heard the passage out of the abundance of the heart? The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So generally, what you're actually saying with your mouth is usually what you believe in your heart. Okay? What you're saying with your mouth is usually what you believe in your heart. Well, I'm just, I'm never going to get over this stuff. Okay? I guess that's what you believe in your heart. You're just, well, I'm I'm just never going to overcome this problem in my life. I'm just, I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to be a nobody. I don't ever really have anything going for me. I'm always going to be stuck in this situation. I'm always going to have this problem. Okay. That's what you believe in your heart. Because it's coming out of your mouth. Okay. So she heard it, then she said it. She began to believe, and what she believed came out in what she said. And she had heard about his touch and how it flowed from him and how powerful he was and what he could do for her. And it produced inside of her the ability to say, if I can just touch his garment, I know he'll make me well. The third thing she did was she did it. So she heard it, she said it, she did it. Because it's, it's, it's one thing to believe it and then to think it and say it. It's another thing to do it, right? Because she was kind of an outcast in society. This wasn't just kind of an easy move for her. This wasn't, this wasn't something that was going to be comfortable. If anything, this was going to be extremely inconvenient. Because back in that particular day, man, if you, have, you were supposed to be kind of like, um, you were quarantined by having you know, issues like she had. You, know, it, you were considered to be unclean is what it was. You were unclean. And society didn't want you hanging around them if you were unclean because basically if other people touched you being unclean, it made them unclean. <laughs> so they're like, stay away. But her faith inside of her, she said, I hear what Jesus can do. And she thought and said, if I touch his garments, this is what he'll do. Now she's got to take it another whole step further and she's actually got to do something. Why? Because faith will always produce action. Faith will always produce action inside of you. Faith is not passive, just like love is not passive. Faith is, is, is something that, listen, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Listen, substance is something tangible. In other words, it's something that you do. It produces action inside of your life. If it, just, like, just like James says all throughout uh, the book of James, he says, show me your faith you know, um, he says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. You know, you show me your faith in your words. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith without deeds is dead. In other words, it's not, it's impossible for you to have faith if faith is not producing action inside of your life. 
not faith. It's just mental agreement. That's all it is. Mental agreement is not the same thing as faith. So she heard it, she said it, she did it. And then the fourth thing, she felt it. Okay, she felt it. Most people get it wrong right here because we want to feel it first. We want to feel it first. And feeling comes last. You don't, you don't take icing for a birthday cake and put it in thin air. Okay? The feeling it part is the icing on the cake. Right? But you can't put icing on something that's not there. Right? You have to bake the cake first. Um, feeling always comes last when it comes to faith issues. Feeling always comes last. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. You could, you could replace that word, seen. Faith is the evidence of things not felt. Faith is the evidence of things not touched. Okay? Any of those kinds of things. It's, it's the same concept. It's the same idea. Faith okay, is, is, is evidence when what you're praying for and believing for is not there. So you have to hear it first. You've got to speak it. Then you do something. And then, listen, when all three of those things are combined together, when what you know and what you believe in your heart and what you do all work together, that produces a, a, a strong combination that's called faith that what it does is it reaches out into that unseen realm of hope and it brings that into the realm of reality. And that's when you begin to feel it. That's what faith is. Okay? Long-standing habits can be changed when you get it, when you understand it. Okay? You know, habitual sins, generational curses, you know, whatever, soul ties, all of those things can be broken in our lives when we get it, when things, when everything lines up together, when what we hear and what we say and what we do all lines up together to form this powerful combination called faith and it reaches out into the kingdom of God in this unseen realm of God's will and God's purposes in your life and it grabs all of that stuff inside of you and out there and it pulls it into the realm of reality. But all three of those things got to be working together. We hear it, we say it, we do it, then we feel it. We hear it, we say it, we do it, then we feel it. And God distributes faith to anyone who will hear. So we can determine how much faith we have based upon how much of the word we are exposed to on a regular basis in our lives. It's hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Will you stand to your feet today?